0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back. The NBA is almost here. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and Bet Online has the best odds for their upcoming games. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Hells fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to the birdrights.com and bleacher report, Preston Ellis. We've got Ollie, Grub, and Kevin with us. We're going to skip right past the pleasantries today because. Uh, <laughs> It's a volatile time, not just uh, in the world, not just in our country, but also uh, among the players and the members of the media all of a sudden. It's, it's a wide spectrum to cover, but we're going to do our best today. We're going to start with David Grubb, the man of the hour, who has an article on thebirdrights.com right now. He is also host of Hard in the Paint on 1280 AM. Uh, David, ESPN labeled Kyrie Irving the disruptor for leading a conference call with players last night and asking if returning to basketball was the best decision considering the climate. But then Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports told a completely different story. He cited Irving as, and this quote, organizing, inspiring, galvanizing conference call that led to players opening up on a season restart. Irving said, quote, if it's worth the risk to play, then let's go do it. If it's not, we've got options for both ways. Grub, why do these two highly respected members of the media tell such vastly different stories? Because ESPN is in bed with the NBA. I mean,
1: and, and we see it more, more and more with ESPN. And, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not one of these people that's like a conspiracy. Though. You just look at the economics of this. As we saw this stuff go on longer and longer with the NFL, then Adam Schefter on a regular basis put out pro NFL tweets, not player tweets, you know, not, not negotiation tweets, but everything was about the focus on the NFL, how great it was. Same now at the NBA they have these relationships with the executives. They have money in state. ESPN and ABC and Disney all have heavy investments in the NBA. They need that money back. And so they're pushing their agenda as well. And I think they want to characterize, if you can characterize one person as being the dissent, then you can say, well, then it's not really dissent. It's not really conversation. And then it's Kyrie Irving. So you start making it for all the things that Kyrie has been, and rightfully criticized for. The question should be, are his points valid? And to say he's a disruptor, when over the last week, everything has changed from where we thought we were seven days ago to where we are now in this country and the world, how could you not spend time, if you're Kyrie Irving, and say, we need to talk about this some more before we just head down to Orlando as a group? I mean, it's just, I, I think it's unfair of, of to paint a picture for an agenda. And it's, to me, that's, that's, what's clear that ESPN, particularly with Brian Windhorst and, and Adrian Wojnarowski are doing, they have a narrative. They're not re- just reporting. They are shaping the perception of, of what people say and how they said it by only providing snippets of the conversation and not having direct sources who are those players utilizing unnamed sources in something this big isn't right either
0: yeah kevin and frankly it made me nervous and it made me nervous the the second that i saw woge's article because obviously we all respect Woj. he's the best in the business at what he does but he used the term uh disruptor and he kind of drew a line in the sand that I don't, nba players should be on board with getting this uh with getting games uh back in orlando in the bubble whatever the cost you know we can go through the mundane uh parts of of the details later but Antonio Daniels described it like this on Twitter he said fans need to try and understand that players aren't saying it's racist to return to play they don't want to return to play deflecting or taking attention from the purpose of the protest they want the primary focus to remain on changing our country Kevin how can they do that how can the players go back to playing basketball without distracting from the more important cause right now
2: yeah I mean there's that argument that they'll be on TV all the time and be interviewed. So they'll have a platform to talk, but I don't necessarily think that's the most impactful thing that they can do, which, you know, clearly they will do if that happens, you know, and it it will reach some people that would not buy into um, the message overall because people are just, you know, they need to be guided by leaders and people that they look up to and respect instead of like the struggle of the common man that they can see every day on, on, on their TV unfortunately but like I think you know I know all of us in this conversation have watched the Dave Chappelle eight minutes and 46 seconds special Um, probably most of our listening audience as well if you haven't you should go watch it and I think what Dave says is you know um, very poignant in the sense that like the streets are talking right now you don't necessarily need him to come out and make some bold proclamation or other you know Guys with a platform, you know, it's nice that guys with a platform lend their support to the movement, but you don't want to distract from what the streets are saying and what the masses are saying. And, you know, like Lou Williams said today, if they're out there playing basketball, people maybe that were going to go to the protest that day are going to stay home to watch the basketball game. And so the power, the, you know, the movement loses power. And right now we're like in a very unprecedented time. I mean, Grub would probably know this better than me, but I think this has definitely been the longest sustained civil protest in our history in terms of like a peaceful protest, not like, I'm not talking like civil war or or anything like that, but the movement has such momentum right now. And by having people in the streets every day, by having people not contributing to funding, you know, entertainment industries and things like that, uh, or, you know, like basically Republicans, you could say that are, are, on the opposite politically of what these people want. Um, you know, it's it's hurting those people in our pocketbooks and it might actually force some real significant change because every few years we get to a point where, you know, this stuff's been going on forever, but every few years we get to a point that boils over and the streets explode and we get protests and then there's some band-aid that gets put on it and things calm down. But right now things aren't calming down and you do. You, you don't want to distract from that because you are now in a position where you're really forcing a lot of change. I mean, you see in a police department being defunded and broken down in, in Minnesota, and there's calls for that all over the country. Seeing Denver taking cops, armed cops out of their schools. All of this stuff is going on and real reform is being discussed. So you don't want to do something that now allows this to get swept under the rug and just push to the side and then we don't have that great societal change that we desperately need so i think that's the way to go and you know on top of that all the medical stuff that i've already discussed in roundtables and previous pods as to why i don't think this should continue you know know, that we should continue this season but uh, we'll get to that later i'm sure too
0: Yeah, we'll go to Ali next. The plan from the NBA's point of view is for players to report uh, to the Orlando bubble sometime around like July 9th to the 11th. But now there's growing concern that players might not be willing to report until potentially uh, July 28th, right before those two uh, warm-up games start, before they start playing official games on July 30th. And just to continue the conversation with what Kevin was saying, this is what Lou Williams had to say today. He said, I never said I wasn't going to play, but every day all we see on ESPN is the NBA is coming back. On CNN, I see another black man killed by police last night. I don't expect you to understand because you don't have a platform, so borrow mine. Ali, it seems like this unrest is only growing. We we see a clear division right now between the guys who want to play and the guys who are concerned. Where do you think we land even a week from now?
3: I'm going to first start by saying just like what a lot of good, smart people are saying in that. Playing is a very personal decision, and I'm glad to hear that Chris Paul and others are echoing this, and so they're being supportive. And that's why a lot of, that's why I'm glad there was something positive written about Kyrie Irving in terms of appreciating his stance along with Dwight Howard and whoever else spoke up during that 80-person conference. But that being said, I, w- I was a little surprised that it didn't turn out that there were more people that were involved on that call. Because, you know, remember expectations were – what it was going to be about 150 to 200 people. So it it just sounds like that 80% of the NBA is either the the players I'm talking about general, you know, maybe they're banking on their friends or learning it through word of mouth, or they're ready just to get back to work. But, The general consensus, it seems like, is that this isn't necessarily a speed bump. It's just something that needs to be worked through in terms of where you you have to listen to all voices. You have to understand that what the players union basically, when they reached out to all the players, wanted to get a vote, right? Yes or no. Do you want the league to come back? This was all before the civil unrest happened. This was about two weeks before George Floyd was murdered in the streets, So naturally, everything's changed. So that's why I think we saw what we saw. But again, I was a little surprised there wasn't more people. So to to, to just totally guess, I would think that, you know, you think that things are going to get worked out somehow. But I just want every player's opinion to be respected and heard. And, you know, at the end of the day, these are grown, intelligent men. So when you see the slander towards Kyrie Irving or or any other player, and and I don't really care what people say on social media because they'll say what they say. But it's the people that carry platforms, right? Let these players, just like anybody else that has to go in the workforce, decide for themselves, you know? So we'll see what happens because, you know, we're still almost, what, it's a month and a half away from actual games. So they still, I feel like they've got time to figure it out, to maybe figure out how to appease, not appease these players, but I don't know how you're going to basically just go along and just ignore these voices because it is important. And co- under this guise of COVID nineteen, already it was going to be difficult to pull. Up, but with the civil unrest, yeah, it, it, I love what Lou Williams said. I love what these other players say because it is true to effect. You're going to be dragging people away, taking their their focus away from whether they were going to go protest, watch what's going on CNN, so they're keeping up to date. Uh, it being at the forefront to now, you know, watching entertainment. So. <sighs> Preston, I hate to, to basically boil it down to an answer. So I, I'll just say that I think the NBA will probably still come back, but it's just good that the, the dissenting voices or whatever you want to call them are being heard and given. I hope they're giving, given the platform that they deserve.
0: Absolutely. Incredible. Now, uh, we could be in a situation right now where the guys who, who don't have much to play for kind of look across the landscape and they think, what is the point of this? What is the point of going back to basketball if they are in a financially capable position where they don't need the additional paycheck? Uh, Chris Haynes even reported that if a guy you know needs to get a surgery, this might be a good time to do it. Uh, but in terms of the guys who, who aren't really competing, maybe you've got the potential eighth season in the West, you've got the Wizards, you've got the Suns. If guys from these teams who aren't really going to be players throughout the remainder of the season in the playoffs decide well, what's the point of going back just to you know get an eighth of my paycheck? Do you think that could compromise the validity of the remainder of the season?
1: I don't think there's any validity to it already. I mean, I, I told you I didn't. You know, my stance has always been that I thought they should cancel the season. Um, I didn't think that there w- it was possible to um, or right uh, medically at the time uh, to do it, uh, and now. I just think you know, now that you've seen a LaMarcus Aldridge go down, that impacts people's chances of getting into the playoffs at this point. And you have rosters that you have no idea what people's shape is. You have no idea whether or not people, how committed they are to play, even if they do show up in ways that it, whether they don't care or if their minds are conflicted for a number of reasons. I just think it's, it, I, I think it's wrong inherently just to, to be out there and trying to promote that there's normalcy in this country anyway. Um, and that we have not taken COVID nineteen seriously enough, and I think it's wrong to put the players out there because Americans follow the dictates of what they see on television. And if it's people think it's safe to play basketball, they're going to continue to think it's safe to do other things. But if, as far as the integrity of the playoffs, there is no integrity of the playoffs. It is purely an exhibitional show at this point, meant just to to, to give you some kind of you know again a show of normalcy. It's not a champion. It's not a true champion. Whoever gets it, yes, you can declare yourself champion. But in the annals of history, no one will think of it that way. And then, you know, I also think about, yeah, guys are going to be thinking about that short turnaround to have to come back in December and start this all over again. But well, you could be potentially, and as I put in the article in the, in the bird rights, you could be potentially talking about guys playing 150 games from July 30th to December of next year. And that's a lot of games on, and wear and tear. And you know, this league calendar is going to have to be condensed more back-to-backs, more of those things that they already fought to not have. And I just, I just think
0: there's, it's, it's, there is no way to make this legitimate. Yeah. Uh, and that's a growing concern or it's a, at least a conversation that's, that's going around. Obviously there's a lot of money at stake. So, uh, some media types uh, have come out with, with some, some very educational, um, uh, Eric Pincus on Bleach Report today. Uh, just basically put out in front that if the players decide not to play, the collective bargaining agreement would then be uh, nullified and we could potentially face a lockout in 2020, 2021 and potentially lose even more games. This could potentially uh, be seen as a strong arm tactic to get the players to, you know, report uh, or shut up and dribble as to, as to say, however, today it was announced uh, that baseball was in a similar situation and now they've consummated a new billion dollar deal with Turner sports Kevin, do you buy into any of this that the collective bargaining agreement, if torn up and nullified, could potentially hurt players going forward? Or do you think it's just, like I said, a strong arm tactic?
2: I think it's just a strong arm tactic. I mean, without the players, there's no league. So they have all the negotiating power in the world, really, you know, and you know what kind of deals these media um media, how big these media deals are and outside corporate sponsors and all this money that's going to constantly come in uh, for these things. So, I mean, I think all the power is in the players' hands. And like like, uh, I think Grubb had said before, either on Twitter or in our private conversation, you know, that's the power they have to not play. And that's how they can get things changed and get things improved for themselves and for, you know – like he's also had discussions about how there's no more real middle class in the NBA. You know, it's either like really high earner or low earner. So um, you know, they can better figure out how to distribute wealth amongst the league. Which I mean, we need to do in the country. So hopefully, we can maybe follow some of their um, uh, some of the things they lay out in the next CBA. You know, if that were to happen.
0: Now, Ali, you probably are pretty familiar with uh, the other side of the Pacific Ocean. In New Zealand right now, they're welcoming back sports with fans. The country hasn't had a single COVID-19 case in three weeks. Obviously, it's it's a bit late to be pushing for this, but could you conceive of a plan where the NBA decides, you know what, Florida's got 2,000 new confirmed cases every single day. Let's try to take this international.
3: I would love it if they did, you know. Uh, and I think this is something we talked about a while back, and when I when this all first hit, I, I took the stance of, let's, let's examine what COVID-19 does, right? You knew that a vaccine wasn't going to be coming soon, but you were hoping that you could get far enough down the side of the curve, and it would continue along those lines to where you would eventually have contact tracing. You would eventually have these preventative measures that a lot of other countries are enjoying right now, but that's not the case, and the NBA initially seemed like they would not come back unless those conditions were there, but they—they've changed. You know, they, to bring back the season, they were going to have to, and so I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm not too keen on that, especially with what you just mentioned. Florida—it's taking off, just like a—you know—was it like fifty, at least fifteen other states, Texas, so and and on, on the West Coast, so it is a big concern. When you think about the players that are going to be going in inside and outside, not players, the essential employees going inside and outside of the bubble. And that includes everybody from, you know, cleaning hotel rooms to a lot of members of media. So the risk is there. All it's going to take is one person. I know that they'll do testing every day, but let's face it. I mean, a lot can happen over 24 hours. I know that some people are hanging on the fact that, look, Donovan and Ruby tested positive. But how long were they together with the rest of their team? and nobody else got infected. But I just feel like to, to bank on something like that is re- unrealistic. Whenever, when everywhere you look and read, this is one of the most contagious, if not contagious, viruses ever. So it is worse than pressing, but you know that right now, the NBA would not shift an entire operation overseas because of the cost. Think of how many players would balk. I mean, I, it just, there's no way to realistically expect that scenario. My only hope is that, you know, I, I read, positive things from people that i respect like dr fauci he supposedly has signed off on this whole plan says it's a good plan you know i guess he's looked at it in greater depth than all of us have been privy to so if he likes it i tend to you know give that a little bit of authority and therefore you know it makes me a little bit hopeful but by far and away, it's still a huge concern Preston. because look all it's going to take is one person and can you imagine if at least to one single loss of life or something like that or a player developing you know some kind of scarred lungs to where it affects the rest of his career i mean when you start envisioning those scenarios and how likely uh, they are yeah it, 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 it's it's a big big concern
0: yeah i apologize for the hard pivot there uh uh into the pandemic there's so much going on right now it's it's hard to keep on track with just one concern uh just remember everybody we are doing our part at the bird calls and uh you can too actually we've already gotten enough donations for our african-american creative scholarship program from music is my refuge uh randers 36 as well as myself and members of saints happy hour podcast to sponsor four african-american students under 21 years of age all you have to do is uh, to apply is send in something arts related, photography, um, you know, you get the gist. Send it to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. If you'd like to contribute to a fifth scholarship, you can uh, DM me privately. Uh Grubb, I want to shift to uh, the Disney bubble and some, some potential concerns that have come up about it. Uh Ali just preface some of it. Players uh express concerned, and rightfully so, that Disney employees. Would be allowed to break the bubble thereby potentially eliminating the strength of its effect, uh, however, members of the media yesterday were insisting that they should you know find volunteers who would be willing to enter the bubble for periods of time just because you know there 's a lot of people out of work right now if 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 your boss grub asked you to do the same exact job but asked you to quarantine to do it, how would you respond to that
1: no because I think again this is this is the whole thing that we're trying that we're talking about in this country right now in different ways and this has always been about labor and management and the same people who are going to be forced into these situations of having to work whether they're players whether they're support personnel or whomever are people that have to that have no choice in the matter ultimately. And they were they are going to be forced to decide whether or not they can have a job at all or whether or not they're going to put themselves and their families at risk a risk that the owners won't take the risk that the management of these places will not take the upper management so if if those people are not willing to take that risk, and we've seen the reports of owners saying that they don't want to go that general managers are saying that they don't want to be sequestered for three months, so why would we think? you and I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't want to be sequestered away from your family for three months. And when, Disney employees are at least based in Florida, but you're talking about NBA players from all over the country, sequestered in some place. And on top of that, these people who are making double minimum wage and are not pr- going to get, I guarantee I would, that they're not going to get 24 hour pay as many of us who were salaried, you know, or, or have positions where you get the opportunity to like, if when you go out of town you're paid for all those 24 hours that you worked, they're not getting that. So, I mean, th- they're not going to get anything more out of this than maybe in a higher grade of pay, but the risk is higher. The the loss for them would be greater. And I just don't think that if you're going to put you, if you're not going to accept something for yourself, then why would you put other people into it? I think it also sends a signal to the predominantly minority workers that are going to be in these Areas cleaning hotels and working in gymnasiums, and the predominantly minor black workforce in NBA, where people of color are getting are dying at a higher rate of COVID nineteen than other people. It's extremely dangerous to send that message to those communities that are undereducated, that don't have enough access to healthcare already, that they think that they can they will think that they can go resume their activities as well. So I think there's
0: no positive
1: in doing this.
0: Yeah, and sorry to circle back to where we were uh, just 20 minutes ago. But, Kevin, given that there is no viability to this Disney bubble now, even though Dr. Fauci did sign off on it, uh, it was unclear whether or not he was aware that Disney personnel would be coming and going uh, as usual. We know that there's a plan in place. Shams reported on it that uh, six feet of distance, they'd never be in the same room uh, as an NBA player. Uh, it's,
3: I, think it's I think it's 12, actually. 12 feet? Okay, yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. Uh, temperature checks with regularity. Um, Uh, It's unclear whether or not they'd be testing these Disney employees daily, weekly, or what have you. But Kevin, by doing this, plus the high level of positive cases in Florida, are you nervous that this could potentially turn into a catastrophe where it does uh, sweep throughout the NBA populace?
2: Yeah, I've always been nervous about that. So I always said they shouldn't start the season. Um, I, you know, you all discussed a lot of points, but also consider this, I mean, we all, before I get to that point, um, you know, the governor of Florida has never taken the COVID crisis seriously, and you see what's happening there. Rush to reopen. You know, Disney's going to rush to reopen because they they are a major corporation that needs money.
0: Universal's already open. Sea yeah. already open. That stuff, and and as
2: many restrictions as you put on those employees, they still leave that place and then we have to go to the grocery store, the gas station, where you know restaurants to pick up food with a community there that's being told by their leaders that it's not a big deal and that we're ready to open and people aren't wearing masks. And as much restrictions as you put into place, there's still going to be these people that are going to be exposed coming in and out of there. And then on top of that, you're telling people, um, the players that are in there that they can't have their families come for seven weeks, you know, and think of not only just the comfort of having your family with you, but just things like not being able to have sex for seven weeks when you're telling grown men, this, that they can't do that. It's like putting them in a prison, you know, in a a sense. Um, But then on top of that, also, I understood the infrastructure of of bringing this to Disney World Florida because that that, um, all the hotels and the courts were there. But we're doing this in June, July, August, which is hurricane season. And it's already been predicted that it's going to be a very active season. So then what happens when you have to evacuate the bubble because a hurricane's coming. We've seen so many times at the beginning of the football season that games in Jacksonville and Miami have had to be relocated to start the season. Preseason games canceled, training camps for those teams moved because of tropical storms and hurricanes coming through. You can't expect that that's not going to happen. So that's, you know, all those things combined are reasons why I thought this would never either get off the ground to begin with, or it's gonna fall apart once it starts. And I and I just think that they need to avoid the embarrassment of that, especially right now when they have a great out in a sense of being able to lend all, all they can to the movement of uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, civil, uh, civil and social justice in the world that's going on right now. So it's a perfect out for them to be able to do this and avoid all these embarrassments and problems that are, you know, creeping right around the corner because I don't see how this plan will work.
0: Now, uh Grubb posted an article from Forbes Sports, which was very interesting, basically uh delineating between the tiers of salary uh throughout the NBA. And there is one group right now that uh has a, I, I would argue a lot more at stake than um than any other group. Uh we know that Derek Favors is an impending free agent, each one more, they've got a lot to lose. But when you, when you come to like the rookie uh, scale guys who are just now getting up to that point where they're going to get that life-changing money that's going to set them up for the rest of their lives, uh, guys from the 2017 class was reported by Woj. Bam Adebayo, De'Aaron Fox, Lonzo Ball, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum are talking with the NBPA about facilitating the league on insurance allowances for players. Ali, uh, this is obviously great for them because it protects them. But if the NBA has to pay this out, in any sort of way, if they do lose this season and next season, uh, it could potentially be disastrous for the league. What would you envision as being the ramifications of this?
3: Oh yeah. I mean, if they fall through with that threat, dissolve the CBA. Um, and then of course, you're going to be starting from a much lower ground because, you know, they're saying that they won't have the amount of sponsorship. The, the same television dollars won't be there, yada, yada, yada. And I'm not going to say one way or the other, because I'm no expert on it, but if any of that holds true then yeah you are going to be everybody's going to be pushed down a notch from the owners to the players to really anybody that's associated with a job with the NBA that's got kind of you know a higher job right the, the minimum wage workers will still get what they make security guards etc but it'll be looked upon as a step back for the NBA now and and so you've got to think all those parties that would be affected that <laughs> they wouldn't like it right nobody wants to see their paycheck cut by x amount or whatever percentage points so like i said i don't know how true it is because i just feel like you know and kevin really kind of talked about this i feel like it is more just a strong arming tactic in terms of where you know whenever the nba does decide to come back i just feel like that the sponsors will be lining back up at the door because this world is still going to be starved for entertainment um You know, from, you know, from where, from whatever perspective you want to look at. So I just think it would be a big, hard mess to probably more than anything is to negotiate between the owners and the players. That's where I envision probably the biggest struggle happening, because obviously you're trying to talk about percentages. And when you've suddenly dropped down the big lump sum, then those one percentage points going to matter a whole lot more when the pot suddenly looks Low, uh is is a lot lower and that's happened in the past with collective bargaining agreements when they used to argue for like they wanted 50 50 while owners used to want like 52 53 percent remember and give the players 47 then there was a time when the players got like 51 52 percent so that kind of squabbling i can foresee but for the most part you know i don't even want to think about that right now because right now these upcoming not even two months now are the most important you know we should be focused on and respecting each player's wish on how whatever concerns they have, and be, being sure to not only listen to them, but make sure that they're allowed to proceed as they feel fit. And, um, and of course, the COVID-19 concerns. And with Donovan Mitchell talking about the increased uh, injury risk, I'm sure there's a lot of other players that feel like that. So I just think that's where the focus should be currently. I really, honestly, at, at heart, don't care what's to come in a year or two years because it doesn't affect us. So And it won't affect these players that have to go through – and put themselves at risk now either, right? You can get to that stuff
1: later.
0: There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back. The NBA is almost here. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds for their upcoming games. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Now, Grub, uh, one player who is notably absent from that call, we're circling all the way back to Kyrie Irving. One player who is noticeably absent was LeBron James, arguably uh, one of the most recognizable names and faces in the world. And he's been clear in his position from the get-go that he wants to play games in whatever manner uh, Adam Silver sees fit. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of players like him. You would think the players for the Bucs, the Lakers, the Clippers, they've got a lot more to play for than others. Do you do you think there's a way that LeBron and some of these other guys who are so uh, earnest about returning to games? Do you think that they'll lead the charge and ultimately get these guys to play in these games?
1: Sadly, I think that the the players will probably end up playing
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, morally um, and in respect to you know the the movement towards and for my people as a black man, I don't like it. Um, I'm not going to judge another man's decision, uh, another black man's decision in this regard, because you have to do what you think is right. And we'll all be counted for what we do um, down the road. Um, And they may be right and I may be wrong. But today, um, I think, yeah, LeBron will get his way um, for whatever, you know, whatever that means, whether it's uh, nefarious or self-centered or if it's ultimately altruistic and correct. He He will get they will end up getting to play unless the league vote, unless the league itself says it's not worth it and they cancel it. Otherwise, the pressure will come and the players will cave and they will show up. And what will happen, unless there has been significant movement outside, then this this will be muted. It will happen because the conversation shifts and we get closer to the election cycle and we get closer to all these things and it will be dwarfed by game night highlights and things like that. So, yeah, ultimately, I think that that the, that LeBron and those players they have they want to play, and they have their own motivations for that, and they think that they can make a change. Though history indicates that that will never happen the way that they think it does. Um, but yeah, yeah, they'll play. I just don't like it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, with all these unknown variables uh, in terms of. More players who probably aren't too eager to return. Uh, Guys like the Suns and Wizards arguably don't have much to play for. Uh, Kevin, one quick fix could be having the players just spend their training camps at home uh, at their local facilities and then just joining Disney World on July 29th, the day before games would resume, and uh, having a 16-team format so that everything could take place over the course of maybe six to eight weeks, shortening that window of time. Tell me, if it was up to you, Kevin, and you had to play games... um, what kind of structure would you give it? I don't know. I
2: mean, I'm obviously not a health expert. Um, I think they need to get some outside counsel on this and not trust what the NBA, the league, or, you know, networks are providing, if, if that's that. Um, but, you know, it, it just seems like if you move more than, if you keep moving, then you have to kind of keep re-quarantining. So I think the idea of a location... A specific location for everybody to be at because, you know, you have to travel somehow. So you're going to be in contact. So I think just getting everybody to one spot and quarantine makes sense for that for that sake. But, you know, I'm definitely open to hearing an argument the other way.
0: Now, Ali, uh, same thing for you. Like, we've we've talked uh, in our group chat about the viability of a Disney bubble versus just, you know, having the players um, driven from their home straight to the airport, straight to the other team's facility, play the game, fly them straight back home. Uh, how would you prov- – obviously, we're not doctors, but this is a podcast, and we're here to have fun and, and to throw uh, wild conjectures into the ethers. So how would you do this?
3: I don't know. I've heard all sorts of things to where – If you're going to allow Disney workers or whatever essential employees to go in and out media, then you should allow these players to go ahead and rent out a house and to act like they're wherever they're living currently and doing what they're doing in daily lives, which is basically probably keeping themselves separate because we haven't heard anything crazy happen, right? No players picked up COVID because he's out partying during these last few months. So you trust these players to kind of just live the same life, but in Orlando. So let them travel. Let them bring their families. Um, I think there's some merit in looking at stuff stuff like this. If you're not going to have a true bubble, I don't get the sense in a half bubble. So why not at least make the players more comfortable to where I think enough precautions could be taken? Because we've seen the example last two, three months, like I just mentioned. Nobody's come out with a new sickness. Um, I'm curious if we'll learn anything right when they do. The NBA does uh, test everybody right before training camps supposed to start if if some news comes out maybe there's something to be worried about but as as it stands now i don't see it so i think maybe there should be some amendments made i've heard some other theories to where you go ahead and start this in orlando you get all those 22 teams there cuz there's a bunch of games to be played but once you get like deeper in the playoffs maybe leave orlando maybe start having them in home arenas i don't know when it's like down to 8 teams right so you're only using four arenas at a time you know for a couple of games and you switch to maybe another one. I don't know I don't know how all that would work that seems a little impossible but as it currently stands I don't like this scenario I hated when reading Tom Haberstroh's uh, article yesterday morning like I said about some people not living in true bubble I just I don't know how Dr. Fauci if he read all that signed off on it because it, it at heart it doesn't seem like it would work so I'm, I'm open to exploring other things I hope they come up with something good because the image, and this is something Grub, all of us have talked about since day one. The NBA does have a certain image that they've built up, and I swear it'll come crashing down if something goes wrong.
0: Yeah, one thing is for sure is we're fast running out of time. Uh, The MLS is slated to return, I think, in three weeks. I want to say it's July 7th. Uh, Players are supposed to start this training camp uh, as early as July 1st. What is that, two weeks away? so so we're almost there grub how do you think history is going to remember this I, not not in terms of the country obviously that's a that's a question we could talk about for an hour on itself but just in terms of the way the nba finishes this season
1: So i think, I think it'll just be remembered um as a distraction you know no one will um remember the games um, you know it, it, if you do even as a sports fan, even as an observer, if if you come away from this year and what happened to end this NBA season is even remotely in your radar, then we failed. We all failed. Because I don't want to, I don't even care. I hope I don't care in 20 years. As much as I love basketball, as much as I love sports, the fact that, you know, I struggle my ass off to to make money off of loving and covering sports. If we cared about the result of the season, 10, 15, 20 years from now,
0: we screwed up. We screwed up. Whether they
1: play it or not, if we cared about this 20 years from now,
2: we screwed up.
0: I'll just go around the whole circle and pass that around. Uh, yeah, I Kevin. I love that
2: answer.
3: Go ahead, Kev. <laughs> I mean, I don't have
2: anything really to add to what Grub said. I think it was, he put it perfect.
0: All right. Well, we don't need to continue with that line of, uh, of thinking. Great job by all you guys. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and make a hard pivot. Obviously games are meant to be played and you guys listen in because you love the Pelicans. You love watching these young athletes. Uh, and and we do have a lot to be excited about in terms of what the Pelicans uh, were building before games were suspended. Uh, we've got a lot of questions and one is actually from Kevin. So I'm going to let Kevin answer his own question. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I had a rookie, uh, Sorry, I added rookie year Lamar Odom to the Pelicans on 2K and a role with Ball, Holiday, Ingram, Odom, and Zion starting five. If you could add a clone of a historic high-end role player to this team, who would you add? And rather than throw it to Kevin, I'll, I'll start with Ollie.
3: Oh, yeah, give me some time to think about it. Thanks. Okay, I'll um, go back to Kevin. You've
0: already no, talked this out. I okay. mean, I know, the, know the type you, of to trust
2: mine if I want I want. you want. Like, um, I mean, I was, you know – Thinking about it in terms of Alvin Gentry still being the coach, so I know that Alvin Gentry would like to go small, and he would like to have Zion playing around the around the rim offensively. Um, so, I, you know, I wanted another guy who didn't necessarily need the the uh, to get buckets, but thrived in other situations and provided some size. His, Mario was six ten, um, incredible passer, very willing passer, um, solid defender. He rebounded well, which was key because that's one of our our big weaknesses when we go small like that um and i think he improves the perimeter defense and he can score when called upon he has uh you know he can he can score from all three levels and but he doesn't need to be a high usage guy he can be if you if you if you need him to but he doesn't need to um so i just think if, if you could find somebody like that it would be great you know um i know one, who i want one of the guys that I you know in the league right now i've talked about him a lot it's um is Mikhail Bridges. I would like to see a guy like that come to this team and be a guy that you can play three positions for you, rebound, defend, and he can shoot a little bit um, and he can score, but he doesn't need to be a dominant um, ball guy, you know? Go ahead, Grub. Rasheed Wallace.
1: Rasheed Wallace. You know, I think the Pelicans, the thing that you want uh, on the front court alongside Zion is somebody who can protect the rim. Rasheed can do that. Rasheed was a rebounder. He, he's not a high-usage guy. He was never a high-usage guy offensively. He can shoot from the perimeter. Um, he can defend on the low block, and he can defend away from the basket. Uh, he's the asshole, which every team needs. Uh, I just think Rashid would be an amazing player alongside Zion. He would be his protector in a lot of ways, uh, both in as far as, as he grew up defensively. And, again, he would be that guy who, when things got quiet – Rasheed's not going to let him stay quiet. You know, I mean, like he jo- when Rashid Wallace joined the Pistons, their attitude went to a different level. He was never the, the first, second, or third guy on that roster. But he gave them something that they didn't have. And I think with the Pelicans, he would provide an edge and he would provide a number of skills in the front court that they miss. I
3: got somebody that, that no, I like no. better than anybody's been mentioned. Andre Kirilenko. I think he would be absolutely <laughs> perfect on this team. You know, I like that. Yeah, that's yeah. It just, it just hit me. Um, you know, he, he was so versatile, and he made such an impact um, in winning that people really didn't understand because that's when advanced stats were kind of just coming into being. But, man, he seemed to be atop all those lists. And you saw why. If you watch the Jazz play and watch him play, this guy moved the ball well. Um, he could score on the inside. He could shoot a little bit, but that's not what he did. He was such a cohesive player that kept, I don't know. I don't think he was ever a part of a bad team defense because he was just that good. So you put him right in between Ingram and Zion. I think that would be spectacular.
0: The only thing that comes to mind is Sean Marion uh, one, because he's familiar with the system uh, and he did have a, a few seasons where he shot near 40% from three point range. But I, I think like you guys, the Pelicans just really need a big, strong, versatile defender who can defend positions three through five and uh, has the, the lateral foot speed just to get up and down the court and Alvin Gentry system. And, and we know that he can do that. Uh, let's get to another question also from Kevin. Uh, he said, I find that whenever you work dabble in any creative industry, you often find yourself reading, hearing or seeing something that gives you a ah, man. I wish I had thought of that moment. What's something you read, heard Pelicans related that you wish you had written or said first? We'll start with Ollie."
3: What does this relate to, Preston? Just anything in the past? or I don't know Anything.
0: I anything question. that, that you've seen somebody else write or just a, a point of view somebody's taken where you just immediately identified with it and thought, uh, oh man, I can't believe I didn't think of that first.
1: Huh. That's a great question.
0: I know, it's a head-scratcher. Yeah, that's right. a
1: contemplative one, yeah. That,
3: that's, <laughs> that's,
2: I'll, I'll say... Uh, <laughs>
3: yeah, if you got something, go first. I gotta
2: think. <laughs> I'm gonna say Grubb's Wu-Tang article. is something that... <laughs> I, I was, you know, like I felt like, man, that's something I could have written that fit in my wheelhouse, you know? So that's something I would, you know, I, I hadn't thought of uh, writing before. And uh, that one inspired me.
0: I'm actually glad Ooh. that uh, Grubb wrote that article because if if Grubb had not written that article, he might not be writing for the bird rise. Cause I remember that was, yes, his that inaugur- was my first one. Yeah. That was the first
3: one. I was, I was just going to ask. Okay. Anybody else got anything? Yeah, that's right. David, you came to me because you couldn't write it where you wanted or post it where you wanted to, right?
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they wouldn't let me. And so I was like, Hollywood, do you want this?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Which is is funny because that's also how we got uh, Chris Connor in a way because he and I did an article together when he was at the brief that they wouldn't run and then he was
0: frustrated and we got him over here. At the bartender one? Yeah. Yeah. Chris and I used to write at the Pelican Debrief for a hot second together uh, whenever it was 2016 or whatever it was. Uh, fun to go back. I've uh, got a real quick one.
3: I, I love Kevin's piece, the movie script. I've always wanted to be more creative, but I'm just not. <laughs> Whether it's withdrawing, writing, you name it. But when, when I read that, it was incredible what, what Chris and Kevin put together. But what was funny is when you reminded us of just how much it pertains to now, with you kind of what happened went down with you know Drew Brees and Mike Thomas and stuff. So I, 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 that's one of my favorite things I've ever read, actually.
0: That was
2: art. Thank yep. you. Guys. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, just off the top of my head, uh, I was pitched a, a couple of reported stories that I wasn't able to do last year. And uh, as soon as I was available, uh, in each instance, my editor said, oh, we already had to pass it off to Marine Fader. And I was like, damn it. Why does Marine <laughs> Fader... And then I read her articles, and she's absolutely she's brilliant. And I yeah. think to myself, God, I could have never done it the justice that she did to it. So uh, I, I guess I wish I, that I could write like her. Um, let's get to our next one. If the league were to allow some sort of graphic uniform patch, court designed warm up outfit, etc., to promote the Black Lives Matter movement or to pay homage specifically to those that lost their lives to police violence, what would you like to see? Now, this is interesting. So if they do return to play. How can they both continue the conversation while not distracting from it too much? Grub? do you have any ideas? Unless you're going to, like, put it on the court. You know what I
1: mean? Like, literally. Black lives matter. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. anything else can be, you know, you, you can avoid. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have to watch the players warm right. up. I don't have to. I can change the channel for that. I don't have to watch them in their Jersey. I mean, you know, during those periods, I don't have to watch pregame. I don't have to listen to inter- inter- any interviews. I can put the TV on mute for all of that and never hear it. You know what I'm saying? So unless you're going to put something on the court or Visual. have yeah. it as a permanent bug on the screen. And if you aren't familiar with TV talk, the bug is the the symbol that's in the lower third of your, I mean, yeah, the lower third of your screen. Typically it's in the corner and it's always there during the show. It tells you the station or whatever you could turn it on and off the station. If they're not gonna do something permanent like that, it's something that is makes it constant. Then don't mention it at all because it's 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 during the broadcast then because you can't have a substantive discussion about it during a broadcast. You cannot have a post game conference where people, you have a limited supply of reporters in that building. You know, think about it. There are not gonna be a ton of pe- reporters. They're not gonna be beat people on at these games for, by and large, you may get a zoom call or, or conference call or something like that once a week with your team, but I can't imagine you'll have regular access to the players from the team that we cover. So, to me, you have to make something that cannot be avoided. Otherwise, yeah, what are you doing?
2: I, uh, when I, I that's a question for me that I, I put uh, for when Jamile and uh, Chris were gonna we did their podcast a couple of days ago. Um, And when I did it, the idea I had, which I think is something that would work in in terms of what you're saying, Grub, is to allow the players to, instead of having their names on the back of the jersey, have names of uh, Black people who were murdered by the police on the back of their jersey. So the names are constantly um, out there on the court. You know, we all know who the players are. We don't need to have their names on the back, you know, in terms of, you know their actual names to be able to follow what's happening in the game. So I think that could be like a powerful statement. Um, and that's what I was thinking would my answer would be.
0: Yeah, obviously that'd be pretty powerful to have to stare at that for uh, all 48 minutes. Ali, do you think there's something we could look back on some uh, message of uniformity? I don't know, something like everybody in the arena all kneeling together as the national anthem is played. Is, is there any other idea you can conceive of that, that, might have like a spiritual uh and powerful moment. Not at the top of
3: my head, but that that is my hope for it. if they do bring back the season, you let these players uh come up and bring their own ideas to the table and that the NBA allows them to use their platform to the fullest without any kind of censorship. That that that's my biggest thing. I I just feel like knowing this country and how fads come and go and I'm not calling black lives matters at all something similar but you know the attention span of a lot of people just in general So I feel like you've got that's a great time to take advantage of doing something creative to push the keep the momentum going so I'm again I I said I'm not creative so I don't know what that could be but I hope that at least the NBA allows for whoever does have these great ideas and whatever players want to participate to be allowed to use that platform because I think that would be fantastic because you gotta think how many millions of people are going to be watching this? Cause you know, they're going to be distracted by it if it does come back, but at least put that to some kind of use to where at least you're still thrown to all the audience in their faces of what's truly important to keep reminding them. So I don't know, Kevin, David can come up with better ideas than I can. I hope that we do learn of some really good ones.
0: Yeah. Cause I got frustrated listening to the the latest Bill Simmons podcast at the 42 minute 32nd mark. Uh, there's just an insensitive, um, uh, I I guess, comment, turn a phrase. And there's three white guys sitting on the podcast and nobody calls them out on it. And that's just kind of, uh, I don't know, just one systemic uh, form of racism throughout our country. And and yeah, if we do return to the status quo, those things will just continue to go uh, unremarked, unmitigated. Yeah, we cannot let that happen. All of us,
3: everybody, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm kind of running out of time. So I'm just going to open the forum to y'all. Obviously, there's 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 a lot to digest. There's so much to talk about. I didn't know how to get it all within an hour. So I did my best. But uh, Grub's got a great article on thebirdrights.com. Is is there anything we've uh, that we haven't addressed that you'd still like to discuss?
1: Oh, no, I mean, uh, you know, look. When they play, I think we'll all be professional and do what we have to do if if the games start. I would, you know, I have a job to do. I'm not going to be unprofessional in that regard. But I think, you know, I I just don't want this to become where the players end up as unwitting pawns Mm -hmm. in something that where the power structure uses them. And they think, well, we're getting our money. And, you know, I understand Austin Rivers' point. Well, we get money and we can help with that money. Yeah, but what do you have to do to get that money? You have to put yourself in danger physically. You have to put yourself at risk with your community. You have to put yourself in the position of putting money in the pockets of people who have demonstrated in the past that they have never supported you. So, you know, those things are really hard to balance. And, um, but at the end of the day, the games on the court will be the games on the court and the things off the court will be the things off the court. But yeah, like I always said, our job as, as journalists, our jobs as commentators, our jobs as, as fans is ultimately to, to, to say what we think is right and let the chips fall where they may um, and continue to just put the pressure on and from, from the perspective that we can. But, I, you know, to any listener who doesn't agree with me or to any listener who, who, you know, who does, my whole thing is I think this whole group, all four of us uh, and everybody associated with the bird rights is going to continue to be honest. And even amongst ourselves, there are times we have honest disagreements about these things, and they become moments where we learn each other. Um, But that's all any of us should be focused on right now is resiliency and honesty. Um, And everything else that comes out of that is secondary, but we'll deal with those things as they come.
0: Kevin, uh, before I get you out of here, um, LeBron James said uh, he's opening up a campaign with Jalen Rose and others. Uh, It's called More Than a Vote, and it's the purpose of it is to to help ensure that African Americans always have their voice heard uh, at the voting polls. Uh, He said, hopefully someday down the line, people will recognize me not only for the way I approach the game of basketball, but the way I approach life as an African American man, just in terms of the leadership of the player empowerment movement for this point in our history. Is this the best possible time in terms of leadership among the players?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you're seeing a lot of people step up. You're seeing guys go out on the streets and join the protests and you're seeing, you know, people, uh, you know, starting programs like this, which is very important because, I mean, we just saw voter suppression big time in in Georgia the other day Uh, or it was was Alabama or Georgia. It was Georgia. It was Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. 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 And uh, so, you know, that that's a major thing. And, uh, you know, people and and probably there's people that are just learning about a lot of this stuff because, you know, in the past, it, it hasn't affected you, or it hasn't affected someone close to you, or you just are unaware of it, or you're willing, willingly unaware of it in some situations. But now, you know, it's in your face. You know, all these players have Twitter. All these players are on the news. All these players, um, and, and not even players. I mean, just like common people filming things happen on the street that now go viral. That's in your face. I mean, you, we're looking at cops doing things knowing they're recorded, you know, doing things that are absolutely horrible, knowing that there's a hundred cameras pointed at them. So if you are seeing that and you that doesn't make you think like, what are they doing when there's not a camera pointed at at, at you at them? Or for the hundreds of years where there everybody wasn't walking around with a camera in their pocket, you know? Um, so hopefully this time is opening a lot of people's eyes and changing a lot of people's minds and introducing Uh, more empathy into everyone's lives. And I think these players really have, you know, can have a lot of impact right now by one, not playing and making a stand and, and, you know, taking part in and not distracting from the movement that's happening on the street, but also in creating programs like LeBron has done. And LeBron has always been a great leader off the court. I mean, you can question the things he does within locker rooms with his passive aggressiveness, whatever Um, that doesn't matter. That much as what he does off the court building schools and you know giving people voice and giving people opportunity um that didn't have it before so it's great to see and you know I'm always of the mind that like players don't necessarily need to be role models like I I believe in what Charles Barkley said back in the day just because you can dribble doesn't make you a role model but if you are a role model then it's fabulous and if you position yourself as a role model, you need to make sure you are a role model, which we saw, you know, with the whole Drew Grease situation, you know, he's a guy who positions himself as a role model, but he had some problematic views and hopefully it's sincere in his change of heart. Um, And, you know, and now it's hopefully trickling down to a lot of his followers who were, you know, held the stance that he had before his change of mind and maybe they're starting to open their eyes and learning from him, explaining to them what made him understand uh, what's going on in this country, and uh, so it's yeah, it's very important, especially right now. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens, and I and I really hope that the streets continue talking, as Dave Chappelle said, and that these protests don't stop, and that real reform is you know starts from the ground up in cities to states to uh, the entire country.
0: Um, I want to apologize to David Rose. Uh, we're not going to be able to get to your question, but I promise you we will use it on a future podcast. Don't worry, we'll be podcasting a lot this week, so I promise I will get to it. Ali, uh, I'll get you out on this. In terms of the Pelicans, uh, we know what a great group uh, they have. Swin Cash told us uh, just about how how caring the guys are behind the scenes and how much they take care of one another. Um, how progressive they all are with one another. And, and we've seen their actions in the community. However, we know it's a quiet group. Uh, it's not the most outspoken group. They're they're not the guys for the most part, other than JJ Redick, who are out here, you know, tweet, uh, tweeting and creating firestorms. Would you like to see them a, a bit more outspoken?
3: I want to say yes, but I don't think it's necessary. When I learned that Lonzo Ball, you know, with with the new formation of that coalition that Gail Benson created in response to the uh, right-wing racial injustice, oh, the the whole platform took off. George Floyd was murdered. The fact that she brought that together, and of course, J.J. Reddick, clear-cut choice to join, but that, then she picked Lonzo Ball, and I was wondering about that. But then when I learned about you know what Ball did and the fact that he's immediately asking, and, and J.J. Reddick said this on his pod, he said, first thing said was, Lonzo says, all right, we need the first thing we got to do is we got to figure out what Pelicans are registered to vote and what Saints are registered to vote. And then if they're not, we got to get them to do it. So. That inspires me to think that maybe you don't need to have somebody like, say, Stephen Jackson or somebody like Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, somebody that's willing to go out there, get in front of a camera and basically lead or be considered one of the leaders of a protest, a, a peaceful march, whatever. So deep down, I feel like, yeah, you need to have some of these voices, right? Because there's a lot of people that just need to be told, right? Be educated. And the only way you do that by is literally speaking out about it. But there's so much else that can be done, needs to be done. Therefore, I feel like it's fine to have a quiet group as well. Because look, these guys are participating in protests. They're posting on social media. And I think that's a big key thing that's different nowadays to where they can use their platforms because it does reach a lot of these younger kids. And I have so much hope in my heart that this younger generation is learning right now, that they're taking in these these players that if they look up to, listen to, just, you know, follow along, that they're taking in and processing all this information that future generations are going to be that much better for it. And it doesn't require having the loudest voice. It just requires to show that you are participating, that you are doing your part. So at the end of the day, yeah, I guess I'm not, I'm not upset. Preston, I guess, <laughs> easiest way to say it. But I always think that a lo- couple loud voices never hurt.
0: Absolutely. Great stuff uh, on the podcast today, you guys. Uh, I know a lot of tough topics and maybe not a lot of topics that uh, people usually tune in to listen to. I know that you guys want to want to hear about the net rating that uh, Zion, uh, Brandon, Ingram, and Alonzo <laughs> ba- Ball share whether on the court for the most part. So uh, in that regard, we will have all of that hard-hitting analysis for you guys in the future. Right now, we're just doing our best to learn, uh, to educate with the knowledge that we do have. And we're going to make mistakes, but we're going to try our best to learn from them and to get better every single day. And that doesn't just pertain to, to being basketball writers. That also pertains to being people. Uh, I wish all you guys well, I know it's uncertain times out there, uh, health and happiness to everybody out there. Uh, remember, we really appreciate you guys, uh, you know, paying attention to our podcast, continuing to listen. If you'd like to do us one more favor, you know, the drill, uh spread the word you know try to find one person who loves the pelicans who doesn't know about us and tell them about our podcast we really appreciate it for now you guys uh hopefully we'll see what's happening feels kind of weird to go out on our on our usual catchphrase but uh everybody be well let's go Pel's.